0: Welcome to burn it all down the feminist sports podcast you need Jessica here and today I am thrilled to be joined by M Adler a reporter for next hoops you've probably heard me say on this show that I'm a huge fan of their daily briefing emails Uh, they're good and smart and funny Em also reports for Duke's independent student paper, The Chronicle. And we are here, Em, to break down the women's bracket for what we're allowed to call March Madness now. So I am so thrilled to have you here. Welcome to Burn It All Down. It's
1: an absolute pleasure to be here. I've been a longtime listener, longtime fan, and it's it's kind of surreal to, to be talking to you.
0: Well, I want to start with, of course, let's talk number ones. South Carolina, number one overall. People might remember they lost to Stanford last year in the final four, Stanford, who went on to win the whole thing. Then we have NC State, Stanford, and Louisville, which maybe we should start there. The big discussion on ESPN at the time, Louisville versus Baylor. Do you think that Louisville deserved this number one spot? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think
1: Baylor's, Baylor has been incredible down the stretch. Um, but you know, the committee, at least they say that they don't weigh – um, more recent games, more than games at the beginning of the season. So if you're just looking at it that way, Louisville's just been pretty much dominant for most of the year outside of the lost Miami ACC tournament, where they blew a huge lead to NC State in Raleigh. You know, aside from those games, absolutely deserving of a one seed.
0: And then the other big talk of the number ones is NC State. They are playing in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, in that portion of the of the bracket, which means that they're basically playing, if they make it to the third round, which we all assume they will, they will basically be on a home court for UConn, who is number two in, in that section of the bracket. And Carolyn Peck was saying on ESPN that she'd be pissed if she was C State's coach. What do you think about that one?
1: I understand why you'd be pissed just in terms of, you know, you're playing away games. Mm-hmm. It's Bridgeport. It's in Connecticut. UConn's going to be basically playing home games the entire time they're there. From a seeding perspective, though, I mean, everything about the tournament makes sense. South Carolina is your number one, two is Stanford, three is NC State, four is Louisville. That's been what the AP poll has basically had for the better part of like three months. And everything flows from there. UConn makes sense as a number six seed, and that's right where they are with NC State. That makes perfect sense to me just in terms of seeding. And not only that, NC State's path to the Elite Eight is, frankly... Probably the easiest of any one seed. Mm. They already beat Kansas State by close to thirty points earlier in the season. You know, Notre Dame beat them about a month ago. But okay. Notre Dame or Oklahoma, those matchups are not hard for them.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. See, thanks for bringing the nuance here. Uh, let's talk about the like the overall bracket in general. I was wondering if you were surprised by anyone who made it in, disappointed. Even like with the seeding itself, like surprises, disappointments, like how did you feel about the overall bracket itself?
1: I, I didn't find that there were too many upsets or not upsets, surprises among the bracket in general. Missouri Staping included surprise me. They have they had a decent, you know, net rating, advanced stats. Their net though, isn't great. Okay. Now there's their quadrant one wins. They've looked pretty uncompetitive nationally since their best player went down in December. They only mm-hmm. finished third in the MBC. DePaul lived to the finish line. I don't think Villanova's that good. Look, I, I love tomorrow and Maddie Seagrist, but the Biggies probably should have gotten like two bits instead of four.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Northwestern's a bit of a surprise absence, given how well they played down the stretch. And Veronica mm. Burton's been oh probably the second best guard in the country this year.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Is Missouri State, they're playing Florida State in the play-in?
1: Yeah, they are playing in Stanford's region.
0: Yes. Florida State is my... Alum, that's like the one, the one time where I care about um, the team. I was wondering, like, can we talk about Cinderellas? Chantal Jennings at the Athletic. Her big Cinderella is Indiana. I think she actually had them. She's she's betting on them possibly making all the way to the Final Four. Does a three seed count as a Cinderella? I don't know. I don't know. So who are you thinking? What teams should we? Be, especially, you know, this year you can actually fill out brackets. There's actual bracket challenges <laughs> for the women's side uh, of the, of the tournament. Uh, what teams should people maybe be betting on that they haven't so far? So
1: there's definitely a lot of early upsets possible as far as making it deep. Just the top of the field is so good this year, but if you yeah. want, if you want some weird picks, the seven CDCF in Bridgeport, th- their defense is one of the best in the country. And I don't think they'll do it, but they could very well upset UConn in the second round Mm. and just go from there. Princeton's a great team at Bridgeport. Bridgeport's an upset city, really.
0: You really? Okay.
1: FGCU out of uh, the Spokane region could make a run, for sure. As a 12 seed, they're pretty solidly under-seeded.
0: I like that idea of UConn being upset in the second round. Like, I feel like all these casual women's basketball haters will be so confused. If UConn goes out in the second round of the tournament, uh, that won't meet their narratives in any way at all. Okay, so that's really interesting. Are there? You've already mentioned a few, but like, are there specific players that you are interested in seeing this postseason?
1: I mean, all of them, really. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just to run through the field of you know player of the year candidates. Well, it's not candidates. It's Aliyah Boston to walk. And so I mean, watch South Carolina because South Carolina is incredible, and yeah. Boston is insane. I mean, just based on the matchups, I'd be shocked if they didn't meet Caitlin Clark in the Greensboro Elite Eight. Greensboro is a great coliseum. That's going to be an incredible matchup. South Carolina's going to win by like 15, but that's still going to be super fun.
0: I feel like all the narratives have been leading to Caitlin Clark and Aliyah Boston meeting in the postseason. Like we we deserve that after everything we've heard this year.
1: So just like the narratives work for UConn being in Bridgeport, even though it's number six makes sense. I think Iowa at number eight makes perfect sense, but it's still very convenient to have that matchup.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Looking over the Spokane region, Cameron Brink at the Stanford Center, she was third on my player of the year ballot this year. I mean, she's just been hmm. incredible. And they're basically gonna run into a bunch of teams that are gonna have some strong interior play for them to play against. Georgia Tech's maybe the best interior defense in the country. Virginia Tech has the ACC player of the year starting at center, or Maryland, you got um Angel Reese. Then you run into Texas, which just throws six four after six four body at you. And then there's the Bridgeport region. I mean, obviously Paige Beckers has probably has probably worked up into the 30s in terms of her minutes limit. So, you know, if she can go, then yeah, you know, she can go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was just thinking, I just realized today, I just feel like my whole life I'm behind on everything right now. But there are games here in Austin. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> I just realized that today. And the
1: first, the first game in Austin between Utah and Arkansas, is going to be, I mean, that, that's going to be a barn burner. That's two teams that I don't know if they lead their conferences in three-point shooting, but they, those are teams that take a high volume. They take some fun shots. They take them deep.
0: You're so good at this. Uh, Tell me more about what first round and maybe even predicting second round games people should be watching over starting Friday, running through what Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tell me some first and possible second round matches that we should tune in for. The thing I like
1: a lot about the first round of this tournament is there's just a lot of upsets that I can see happening. Honestly, the only seven seed I see advancing past the 10 is UCF. And I've got a lot of people are going to pick them to get upset by Florida. You know, in order likelihood, probably Creighton over Colorado, Arkansas over Utah, South Dakota over, over Ole Miss are ones I'd bet on. Those are going to be fun, hmm. close games. Over Greensboro, the 8-9 Miami, South Florida, that's also going to be close. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be assault on <laughs> the notion of basketball. Roofstats predicts that is a one possession game. So kudos to the committee for having it as an 8-9. They also had them that both teams would score around 55 points. Wow, they get that through brute force and smothering defense. Okay, so that's going to be that's going to be a very unique matchup. And I mean, there's other upsets across the board that are more than possible. There's a there's an 11 seed play in, in that Greensboro regional uh, between Dayton and DePaul, which I mean, everyone should watch that one. That's going to be really fun. And they could both definitely beat um, the 6 seed Georgia. I would expect an 11 over 6 match or an 11-over-6 upset for Princeton over Kentucky. Hmm. Unless the Wildcats are still shooting the lights out. I just don't expect them to get past the first round.
0: Wow. All right. I
1: mean, there's just some long shots that are more than possible. SFA could do something against UNC. That's a 12-over-5. FGCU over Virginia Tech is a is a really obvious 12-over-5. I know a lot of people are picking. I don't see it, but I do think it's more than possible. Some super long shots. you got an 11-over-6 with Villanova-BYU. 13 over four in Buffalo, Tennessee, uh, 12 over five in UMass in their game. And in that same region, it's entirely possible. You got a 13 over four with IUPUI in Oklahoma.
0: I love this. I hope there's tons of upsets. Yeah. It's really amazing that the women's game is here at this point, uh, that we can even be having a conversation like this. As an
1: independent journalist, the only thing I root for is chaos. <laughs>
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to ask for Amira. How do you think LSU is going to do? Her cousin, Alexis Morris, is their big guard. Wasn't Alexis Morris? Hmm. So Amira goes to tons of LSU games. She trucks it to Baton Rouge. Give me a rundown on what you think we should expect from LSU.
1: The special matchup is against Jackson State, uh, who won the swag this year. Jackson State's super fun. Their center, Misha Williams, is a super fun player, but that's not going to get them too much trouble. Ohio State, who should probably waltz past Missouri State or Florida State, whichever one wins that play in, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Ohio State plays a certain style. They play fast in in both in terms of overall pace and in terms of the half-court pace. And they run most of their offense basically through, through the combo guard, uh, J.C. Sheldon, or their wing, Taylor Mike Sell, who, if the name sounds familiar to some people, that's because she's been around for a while. She was at Oregon last year which was a surprise transfer out of Oregon. And it was a surprise transfer into Oregon be- that year from Maryland, where she played for a couple of years. Okay. They shoot really well. They space the floor well and they play together pretty well. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. It's a very styles make fights sort of deal.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: LSU should probably win that one. And then you run into Texas, which I think is a really, really bad matchup for LSU.
0: Mm, okay. <laughs> so that's as far as we're going. <laughs> you're like, that's what I could give you.
1: <laughs> well, I could each Texas. They got Stanford, which, you know, Godspeed to you.
0: Yes. True. Um, all right. So let's talk the end of all of this. Uh, April 1st, we get to the final four. I just want to tell everyone that will be at seven and nine 30 PM Eastern on ESPN. Are we going to see four number one seeds in Minneapolis? I would
1: say that's the most likely outcome just given they're the one seeds for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, that it's more likely than not just given how most years go. I looked at this a little while ago, but there's only been four years on four years on record. And the tournament's been around since 81. There's only four years on record that all four one seeds made it to the final four. Oh, wow. Yeah, I want to say it was in 88. And then it was also in 12, 15, and 18. Okay. So it's more likely than not that one or two of these one seeds aren't going to make it. And obviously, you're looking at UConn is a possible upset spoiler. Indiana is an interesting match. matchup. Prince of State out of Bridgeport, like I said, that's upset city. Mm-hmm. Stanford and South Carolina have been so dominant; it's really hard to see them not advancing unless South Carolina shoots like it did against Kentucky in the SEC championship. And Iowa just, you know, has one of those games where they, where you just can't stop them shooting. Yeah, Louisville or Baylor out of Wichita. I think the lower seeds in Wichita are a little weaker, but you know, Baylor is a two seed. They're all, they're strongest. Any one seed on a good day so yeah you know south carolina and stanford make a lot of sense to me and then either baylor or louisville out of which time bridgeport honestly any of the top three seats
0: who do you have do you have a prediction for who's going to be cutting down the nets after the championship game which is sunday april 3rd 8 p.m on espn
1: i mean it's got to be south carolina right all right i can hear an argument for stanford but it's got to be south carolina okay
0: there, y'all heard it. Um, as you get your brackets ready, you heard it from M, who knows obviously an incredible amount about this. M, thank you. Is there anything else that we should know about this tournament going into it?
1: I don't think anything that I have mentioned so far. Yep. Um, you can catch um all of our coverage uh, where I write over at thenexthoops.com. dot Um, our work is totally free and open to see, but but it is possible because of the generous subscribers that we have. Um, we have so many beats across the country in so many sites and every one of the final four sites we are going to be covering.
0: Yeah. The next hoops is just wonderful. Like the extensive coverage is incredible. People should absolutely subscribe to it. Uh, and where can people find you, Em, out on the Internet?
1: So, like I said, people can find me at, people can find me at the next hoops dot com. As you mentioned, I do the daily briefing, a generally a daily morning newsletter, just recapping yesterday's scores. Um, Trying to tear off the games you should watch for the next day and wrapping up whatever news happened there. I also do special projects there, our recruiting. We are doing recruiting composite rankings that should come out a little after the season. My draft board should be up later this week. And then you can, if you for some reason are interested in specifically Duke athletics, uh, at dukechronicle.com, I am beat writer for our women's basketball team, as well as softball, baseball, and women's soccer.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for being on Burn It All Down, M. Thanks a so for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Burn It All Down is produced by Tressa Versteg. Shelby Weldon does our website, episode transcripts, and social media. You can find Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to subscribe, and you should, you can do that wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about the show, check out burnitalldownpod.com. You can also go shopping at our bonfire store to get some merch. As always, an evergreen thank you to our patrons for your support. It means the world. On behalf of all of us here, burn on and not out.